Glory, glory, glory. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Glory to God. I'll get it straight together. Amen. God is good, isn't he? All the time and all the time. God is absolutely good. And, um, and so this morning, we, we were sharing um, this theme of praying together, uh, prioritizing prayer in every part of our lives. I'm excited about what God is doing um, in our lives or together uh, as a body, as a family. Um, I believe that God has a plan to get his body back. <clears throat> you didn't hear me yet. He wants his body back. <clears throat> He wants his hands back. He wants his voice back. Uh, he wants everything that he has, Brother Rick Algeyer. He wants it all back um, because we belong to him. Guess what? Jesus uh, did not tell us to build a church. He said he'd build his church. And the way when he builds his church, he says, if you give me my body back and let me do what I want to do, you'll see things that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, that God's going to do a thing that would just blow your mind. How many want to see God just blow our mind? Somebody just give God a praise. Hallelujah. Well, that's what I'm after. I want to see God do things um, that we can't, uh, that only he can. And, and so prioritizing prayer in every part of our life uh, is a part of that. And we see this in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, uh, the nation of Israel, had turned away from God over the years after King Solomon was king. And the result, God allowed foreign nations to defeat them uh, in war. Uh, the walls of the city were destroyed. The temple where they worshiped was destroyed by fire. And the people were removed from the city. It's interesting because Habakkuk was praying about what God was going to do to get his people to worship him again. Habakkuk was crying and he says, Lord God, what are you going to do? The people are doing what they want to. They're not worshiping you anymore. And God said, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you the way that I was going to get my people to worship me again. And all of this is a part of it. And so God's people knew the promises of God. They knew the promises of God. They knew the promised land was theirs. Uh, They knew the temple was the place of worship. And they knew that if they repented, that God would restore them. And so um, the people did repent. And God raised up a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel would bring the first wave of Israel back uh, to Jerusalem to help rebuild the temple so the worship could be restored. There's a passage of scripture in Zechariah chapter 4, 9 through 10 that kind of uh, recaps what happens with Zerubbabel. And it says this, it says, then the word of the Lord came to me, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the days of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. What's amazing about that particular uh, passage to me is God said, whatever I start, I'm going to finish. 
And I want you to know because I'll use this remnant, I'll use the least likely to perform the impossible. That even Zerubbabel, who had this remnant of people, and God says, when you see the plump, when the people see the plumb line in his hand, they begin to rejoice. In other words, God's thing is, when you see him starting something, you need to praise him like it already happened. Oh, God help us. Y'all don't hear me yet. Um, uh, The bottom line is, is God saying, don't you understand? Don't wait till the battle's over. You need to shout right now. Don't wait until you see me pull everything together. God says, if I said it, that settles it. Just praise me that I'm about to get it done. Somebody just give God a praise for what he's about to do. Okay. All right. Okay. So, 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 so I begin to read that and I look at this city that is burnt down to the ground. Aaron, it's burnt down to ashes. And what I recognize about God is when there's a people who are praying, even if things are down to ashes, we're coming out of ashes uh, because my God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever God starts, he finishes. Amen. 75 years later, a man named Nehemiah, he hears the report that God was restoring his people back to their homeland, but the city walls were still ruined. This is critical here. And when he hears, Nehemiah hears the news, the Bible says that he wept for days. To get a prayer through, watch this. When God is turning things around, Kathy, what he recognized, what we've got to understand is that God wants to know, does anything move you? See, the thing is, is if, if, if you're going to accomplish anything in life, something has got to move you on the inside. In the world of leadership, and here is Nehemiah, this leader, what moved him was the pain or, or, or the disarray uh, that had taken place in this city that was now devastated. Nehemiah deeply loved his Jewish people and he was living in a foreign land. He, he, he made up his mind um, that he would serve God and at that time he was cupbearer to the king. Again, he was a man of deep prayer. Nehemiah was one who cried out to God, and God used uh, him to accomplish one of the greatest feats in the history of Israel. In their history, nothing like this had ever happened. In 52 years, they rebuilt all of the walls to the city. What an amazing thing. That's only because they began to pray. It never would have happened without his dependence on God through prayer. And this is why this sermon series that we're teaching uh, in, in all of our locations is really based on the book of Nehemiah. So during this three-part series, um, uh, we're looking at three different areas of contrast in Nehemiah's prayer. One of the areas of contrast is circumstances and mission. Circumstances and mission that take place. The other is informal and formal prayers. Today, the only one we're going to deal with is personal and corporate prayer. I'm going to talk about personal and corporate prayer. So here, Nehemiah, as we get ready to look at his life, I want to just give us four definitions. Dr. Um, uh, Gideon uh, A. Thompson, uh, he he writes a book called Teach Us to Pray, and he just shares four definitions of prayer. The, uh, the, the, 
uh, definitions are really simple, really short, um, that resonates with all of us. Number one, we know that prayer is conversation with God. Amen? Prayer is just having a conversation with God. The second thing that prayer is, it's communion with God. And the communion part, it is I'm listening. I'm not just talking to God, but I'm listening to what God is saying to me. The third thing that prayer is, is warfare. Reason why we have to know that, because uh, as soon as you begin to try to apply the things uh, that God has put on your heart, the things that move you deeply, when you start trying to apply those things, then there will be some resistance. We have an enemy Um, The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realm. What I love about the, um, one of the things about the prayer ministry, uh, they, uh, they were reminding us this morning that we are seated in the heavenly realm. So even though we have, there's spiritual warfare, we've got to be reminded of our position in Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. So the first definition, again, um, is prayer is talking to God. Prayer is communion with God, which is listening. Prayer is warfare. But prayer is prophetic intercession. And prophetic intercession is simple. It's really God giving me a vision of my place in his plan. <laughs> And all God wants to do in prophetic intercession, he's saying, I want to give you a vision of your place in his plan. The bottom line is, is God's thing is, I've already been working. I just want to show you your place in my plan. And that's what we see in Nehemiah. Nehemiah sees his place in God's plan. He's an ordinary leader. Nehemiah is is an ordinary dude, right? But he was highly motivated. What made, what, what made the difference, he was highly motivated in the way that he cried out to God. In the world of leadership, uh, there's a contrast or a constant struggle between performance and essence. Performance is what you do, but essence is who you are. It's like covenant kingdom. But what's interesting in the world of leadership, a lot of times people will look and they'll see something that seems like a great performance. Here's what I want to do. It's nothing necessarily that deeply moves them. It's something on the surface and they want to mimic what they see other people do. That's just performance. But essence from the inside, um, the things that move you deeply from the inside, um, you really begin to contemplate. But for us as believers, we pray about, we cry out to God about. That's important because if you're ever going to follow or or do what God calls you to do, you have got to, the first part of prayer is you've got to find your voice. Your voice uh, really is, is dealing with the thing that moves you deeply. And so Nehemiah finds it, his voice, in the devastation of the city where his fathers were buried, the place that was ruined, the gates had been destroyed by fire. And when you are deeply moved, you will challenge what is for the sake of what could be. Ryan, when you are deeply moved, God will cause you to challenge what is for the sake of what could be. 
The reason why is because God wants to know, is anybody, do you, do you, do, are you courageous enough? Are you confident enough that he who begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ? Are you a Corey? He wants to know, will you take a step out on nothing like Peter? Stand on things that everybody else is drowning under. When it's personal, God is trying to make sure we understand there's something on the inside of us, that voice, the voice that God has placed, it's God's voice really on the inside. Cows and Posner in leader, uh, Leading Change, they said that you can be authentic only when you lead according to the principles that matter most to you. You can only be authentic or genuine when you lead according to the things that matter most. What moves you? What do you care about the most? What, watch this, makes you mad? What makes you sad? The bottom line is what, what was happening to Nehemiah, he was finding what moved him deeply. And then personally, he began to talk to the Lord about it. And so for us, we've got to know, we've got to find our voice. The reason why you've got to find your voice, and this is really personal, you got to find out what moves you deeply because it's not about just copying what everybody else is doing. If you just copy and do what everybody else is doing the way they do it, then you are not a voice, you are an echo. Oh boy. You're Xerox. God is looking for authentic people who understand that, Lord God, we can't make it without you. I can't do it. I can't do it without. In fact, I can only be the best me that you've called me to be. I can't be who someone else is. And so here, when we understand this, this time of prayer, a season of prayer, praying together and prioritizing prayer, it starts with personal prayer. So here's a life lesson um, for me. It's how personal and corporate prayer helps assess and address our needs by God's grace. How personal and corporate prayer helps us to assess and address our needs by God's grace. So let's just look at the assessment that Nehemiah does. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number, that's 12, but I'll begin with verse 13 because here's his assessment of what was going on. It says, by night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for the mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the walls. Finally, I turned back and re-entered the valley gate. He mentioned several times the word valley. And so even as I was looking at the particular scripture, looking at the, uh, the text and looking at the context, how does that fit for me and fit for us? When we assess in our personal uh, time of prayer, uh, there are some valleys that we face. They're valleys. And, and so when, when we're in personal prayer making assessments over ourselves and over our situations, uh, like Nehemiah, we've got, we have to assess, assess the situation. Number one, 
what, we, what Nehemiah began to assess, you have to assess the valley is a place you go through. Somebody say go through. So the valley is a place that you go through. And that's important because when you're going through valleys uh, in our lives, sometimes it can, you can be discouraged. But it's not meant for you to stay there. It's meant for you to go through. Don't stay there. Keep going. Tell somebody, keep going. <clears throat> you have to keep going. You got you to say it at the same time. Somebody say, keep going. Yeah. All right, we're in the same place. Watch this. And so the thing is, while, while assessing the damage in the valley, you can't stop. This is what Jesus does even on the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, watch it, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. So while Jesus was going through, he was looking at where he was going to. Help me, Holy Ghost. That's important because you can't stay focused on what you're going through or you'll have yourself a good pity party. But Jesus set joy in the picture. You've got to look uh, beyond the circumstances. So the valley is a place you go through. Number two, the valley is a place you gain wisdom through. You gain wisdom. Uh, and so there in Nehemiah 2, 12b, it says, it says, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do. Look, when you're gaining wisdom, you can't tell everybody everything you're going through. Some people, you, you can't tell everybody everything. They can't handle all you're going through. You can't handle all of you. Oh, Lord. And if you can't handle all of you, what do you think they're going to do? You can't handle all the stuff that goes through your mind. And so the thing is, is I'm gaining wisdom. I've got to learn how to get into the presence of God myself and gain wisdom. Nehemiah said, I didn't tell everybody all the things that God had placed in my heart. Which reminds me of how Jesus gained wisdom. There in Hebrews chapter 5, 7, and 8, blows my mind every time I read it. It says, during the days of Jesus' life here on earth, he offered up loud cries and petition to the one who can deliver him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. That blows my mind. If Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, then who am I? Not to recognize that if I'm going to gain wisdom uh, through whatever I'm going through, God's thing is, you know what? You're going to learn some things right there in your valley. So a valley, as we assess, it's a place we go through. Uh, the valley is a place we gain wisdom through. But finally, a valley is a place we grow through. We grow through our valleys. You grow. A place that I grow, Nehemiah uh, uh, 2.13, it says, by night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well, the dung gate, examining uh, the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Man, when you begin to look at a situation, and as you're assessing the situation, bad seems to look worse. That's a heavy burden sometimes. And so he's here, he's assessing. And, and I begin to, to think about personally, Lord God, when I'm assessing what's going on in my life, when I'm assessing, Lord, I'm going through this trial, I'm going through this test, what are you showing me? What are you saying to me? 
And then I read James chapter 1, where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith is developing perseverance. And perseverance must finish its, I got to finish persevering. Perseverance must finish its work, this is critical, so that you are mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know what's funny? A lot of times when we think that we are grown enough, we think that we done grown up enough that nothing bothers me no more. I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah, you are blessed and you are highly favored. But I guarantee at each level, there's, there's some other way the enemy's going to try to attack your mind. As soon as you had some peace in your mind and, you know, everybody was friends, kumbaya, all of a sudden, <laughs> one of them friends have, I don't even know what to call it, but, you know, gossip mouth. I don't know what to call it. Before you know it, something that you confided in your friends with, you hearing from somebody else. And God said, guess what? I want you to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Because a few years ago, you would have given them a piece of your mind. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) But God said, you know what? I'm maturing you. I'm making you complete so that you're not lacking anything. Because a lot of times when I used to look at those situations, I'm like, Lord God, would you change this situation? Lord God, would you change this person? Lord God, I don't want to be their friend anymore. Lord God, God's saying, wait a minute. I'm not going to change them. I'm not going to change your, your valley. I'm not going to change. I'm going to change you until the things that used to bother you, they don't bother you anymore. A valley is a place you go through. Valley is a place you gain wisdom through. But the valley is a place that you grow through. If you look at those murals, those picturesque mountaintops, and they have those valleys, what you won't notice, what you'll notice is there's not a whole lot of growth on the mountain, but the growth takes place in the valley. In the valley where you see the greenery amazing, you'll see people who quote-unquote have arrived at the top, but they gain wisdom. Their growth happened in the valley. So in our valleys, God is growing and maturing us, making us complete so we're not lacking anything. So the first thing is we assess in personal prayer, but then we address in corporate prayer. Address. And here... It says the officials did not know where I had gone or, uh, or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials of any or any others uh, who would be, what I would be doing, who would be doing the work. I'm sorry about that. Verse 17. It says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins. And its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will be no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king said to me. And they replied, this is critical, here's corporate, Let us rebuild. So we began this work, this corporate uh, endeavor, they began together. When When we operate corporately, we're operating in agreement, or should be. Agreement 
is the place of power. And so corporately, uh, there were three things that happened. Number one, um, that what Nehemiah was leading the people corporately in, the thing that was moving his heart, he began to share with everybody else. But he says, guess what? Corporately, we need to present our issue, present our problem to God. We need to present what we're going through. Guess what? God's power is never intimidated by life circumstances. So what has never been done before? You plus God, what? If God is for you, it don't matter who's against you. When God is on your side or with you, it doesn't matter if it's never been done before. God said, I, I, he makes cause life out of dead things and the things that are not as though they've always existed. And so when we present things together to God, God, he, that's all he's waiting for is agreement. Whatever you bind on earth together, is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so the first thing, corporate prayer is we're presenting some things. He said, you see the trouble we're in. We're going to pray over this in just a few minutes. But do you see what, what we're going through? Do you see what's happening in the community? I happen to have been, as Chris was saying, 22 years in a community that the infant mortality is the highest in the 06 zip code. Amount of babies who are dying before their first birthday. Something that moves me. The dying before, how do you, die, the babies dying before their first birthday? And, and I begin to look at that as one of the things that was moving. And, and it moves the heart of God. And so those are things that we pray into, not only uh, that particular issue, but we're saying, Lord God, there's something in the land that needs the hand of the mighty God. Nehemiah said, I want to tell you about the gracious hand of God. So we present whatever our problem, whatever our issues, we present them to God. Second thing is we petition. We petition um, focusing on God's promises. So when we're praying, we're not praying the problem, we're praying the promise. We're praying, Lord God, we know you're more than able to handle this situation. We, we recognize that no matter how many promises there have been, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And the amen is spoken by us. So that faith comes by hearing, but it's released by speaking. I want to say what God is saying about our situation. I want to say what God, Nehemiah, together we're saying what God is saying uh, about uh, that particular community. Scripture talks about one chasing a thousand, uh, two putting 10,000 to flight. It's somewhat like an illustration. Um, um, Suzette Haddock, she's a prayer warrior, but she was talking about, she said, you know what? When you are trying to break through in prayer, there's some things by yourself uh, is like a bamboo cane, which kind of supports you. And, you know, there's things God is going to bring you through that's personal. He says, but if there's a breakthrough that's needed corporately, it's like taking 10 bamboo uh, posts and tying them together. And now it's not just a prop to hold you up. It becomes a battering ram to break through. My God, whenever we begin to come into agreement, don't you know the gates of hell will not prevail, cannot withstand the forward motion of God's kingdom? Whoa, God help us. We become a battering ram as we pray together. So we present our problem in corporate prayer. Uh, we present whatever, we petition, but ultimately we praise God 
for his power in corporate prayer. I don't know about you, but something happens when I begin to praise God. Because even when you're going through, it feels like a valley. I dare you to praise God while you're going through a valley. I dare you to begin to praise God that you know you're hurting. Uh, You ever had to worship God through some tears? The reason why I read over in Philippians chapter 4, 4-4 says rejoice evermore. Or it it says uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6 is what I'm trying to get to. It says do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Woo! So watch this. In other words, when you pray corporately, you may pray about something. You pray about it. You petition. We become a battering ram. But he says, always make sure you come to thanksgiving. It may be the same thing. Um, the first time I may have been praying, um, and I can't go through all of the things that happened. There's a lot of things that happen in all of our lives. Um, uh, but, you know, what, what always goes to my mind is preaching my, I was 19 years old, how, preaching my dad's eulogy. It still doesn't make sense to me. How, how are you 19 years old? And all I remember is being so crushed by the weight of what I was missing and felt like I was losing that I found myself begin to cry out to God. I didn't know what to say. I'm like, Lord God, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I'm like, Lord God, I don't know what to do, but right now I'm just going to give you praise for what you've already done. I'm just going to give you praise for what you're doing in my life. I'm giving you praise because you're going to take me through the rest of my semester and the rest of my year. I don't know how you're going to do it, but God's thing is whatever he starts, he finishes. God's thing is, guess what? Just as soon as you see the plumb line in the hand, like in Zerubbabel's hand, God said, guess what? Praise me like it already happened. I might not see it, but God said, it already happened. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what your valley is. I don't know what promise you've been waiting on, but I need to tell you, guess what? It already happened. It's already Why? Because God says, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What's seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. He says, praise me like it already happened. Help me, Holy Ghost. That's the God we serve. He said, praise me like it already happened. We thank God. And so for just a few moments, we're going to take some time, personal prayer perhaps, but some corporate prayer. And as we're crying out to God, we're just saying, Lord God, like you did with Nehemiah, like you did throughout with your people, You're people who recognize that I'm assessing the situation. But when we address it, we're addressing it in the name of the Lord. Like David, who simply says to the the giant, says, you know what? You come at me with all your shield, your spear, your javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord my God. (laughs) I come at you in the name of El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. I I come. And so when we pray, we cry out. We're crying out saying, Lord God, there's some things that you've already been working on. Question is, what moves you? Question is, what moves you into action? Question is, is the thing that moves you the thing that moves the heart of God? 
So just for a few moments, just in personal prayer, just by yourself. Let's stand. Maybe it's better to stand. I've been up here long enough, but come on. Just stand on your feet. As you're standing, um, I want to spend a few moments, and we're just saying, Lord God, personally, man, it's been a long haul. It's been a long journey, man. So I grew up in New York City. And I recognized my family, what was beautiful about my mom and dad, they made it their business for the seven of us to know the living God. Oh, yeah, we prayed, we, not only in the car, we prayed. Before we went to the church, we had, we had worship service in my living room before we went to church at our house. We, we had Bible reading, we had scripture, and then, I don't care, as long as I can remember, um, you better know the Bible verse, that's why I can quote scripture now. You had to quote scripture before you eat your meal, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was seven of us, you can't repeat the verse that Mike is saying, he used to steal my verses every now and then. <laughs> but there's a personal relationship that God is saying, I want that with you. Your design is original. I hear, God's thing is he hears your prayer. He hears, he hears your cry. But God, I'm not, I'm not good. No, no, don't worry about what you have, what uh, degree or what, you know, how much, do you know enough of the Bible? Do I, do I know uh, the concordance? Wait a minute, do you know the living God? God says, ask of me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you know not of. Things that have been fenced in, things that have been hidden. And God's thing is, you know what? I want to use you. I want to use the least likely to perform the impossible because it's not about us, it's about him. It's about what he's trying to get done. And so for just a few moments, come on, just, just cry out to him. And then I'll just pray a corporate prayer over us. Personal. Oh, God. Father, there's things that move each and every one of us. There's things that have caused frustration over time. There's things that we don't know. That's why I'm so glad that Romans chapter 8 and 26 says, we don't even know how to pray as we ought to. But the Spirit himself, you intercede for us with groans that words cannot express. Thank you for my family here at Grace. That what you've called us, you've called our churches, you've called our churches to partner together to help people in the greater Fort Wayne area to have an opportunity, everybody, to hear, see, and respond to the gospel. Father, because it it is about you. It is about seeing lives changed. It is about recognizing that that equalizer brokenness we all experience. The beautiful thing is you never meant it for it to be that way. Thank you for the birth And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Corporately, we look to you for that. Corporately, we thank you for your promise that you said in the last days you pour out your spirit on all people, that your sons and daughters will prophesy, that your young men will see visions, on the uh, old men will dream dreams, even on servants, both men, you pour out your spirit. 
Father, we thank you today. Signs and wonders, heaven above, and Lord, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon is blood. Before that great day, the great day, you said great and glorious day. <laughs> the reason why the mission will be fulfilled because you said that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What you start, you finish. Thank you for my family. Thank you for your grace and your peace. Father, we praise you. <laughs> we praise you, Father. Like the things that we really can't quite see yet, we praise you like it already happened. Oh, God, thank you. We don't know, even in uh, this city, we, we recognize one of the most diverse but yet most segregated, but you said you're going to bring your body together that blends in a way, and we're going to praise you like it already happened. My God. Hallelujah. The things that we don't yet understand, the ways that you're bringing our hearts together, the ways you're knitting our hearts together, Father, that, that so much change radically will take place. We praise you like it already happened. Because when that happened, like the disciples, they walked along the road and their shadows were healing people. Father, like it already happened. We look to you and we believe you for things that eyes haven't seen. Ears have not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. We praise your name together. In Jesus' name, amen.